Hi, I'm Megan Steelstra, and I'm a company member with Second Story. This April, we turn 14 years old, and to celebrate, we're holding a birthday fundraising drive. Second Story is a nonprofit organization, and as such, we greatly rely on our fans. We're able to produce this podcast, as well as our live shows and community programming through the generosity of the Second Story community. So please take a minute to visit our website, secondstory.com. There, you can listen to our complete podcast collection, check out our upcoming events, and even submit your own stories for production. And while you're there, consider giving us a birthday present in the form of a donation. We promise we'll throw one hell of a party. This, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. On this week's Second Story Podcast, the time has arrived for a young Sin Vargas to receive the talk. How does her mother handle it? And how will Sin handle it with her own daughter? Sin Vargas teaches at Columbia College of Chicago and has been performing with Second Story since November of 2012. This story, titled, I Don't Know What You're Talking About, was performed at Second Story in the Underground Wonder Bar on January 26, 2013. The theme of the evening was True Lies, Stories of Deception. And now, Second Story presents Sin Vargas. Now I'm going to start out by saying I love my mother. She showed me how to make four quesadillas with one slice of cheese. And growing up, she convinced me that walking everywhere would make me taller. I'm 5'3", and for being Latina, that's pretty damn good, let me tell you. I love her so that I invited her to move in with me part-time three years ago, right after I had my daughter, Viviana. Now, a couple of things you should know. My mom is this petite woman who was too scared to ever learn how to drive, hence the walking. Too scared of dogs. The closest pet I ever had was tying a rope around my brother's neck and walking him around the house. (laughs) Too scared of ever disagreeing with anyone, so she tended to believe everything instead. Like the time this lady said our tax person had moved on, and I told my mom that meant he died and she was sad, but really he just went into retirement. This woman, my mother, crossed the border at 18 all by herself. From El Salvador, through Guatemala, through Mexico, and up to Los Angeles. When I visited El Salvador for the first time, I understood why. My grandma lived in the tiny town of Cojutepeque, try spelling that one, and had just gotten a roof put over parts of the house except the bathroom, so it made showering and going quite interesting. No roof meant the neighborhood boys would crawl up the tiny cinder block house like some flying cockroaches and peek over. The spotting of an American girl was rare. It was like some kind of morbid bird watching. My mom is a nervous and passive type, so I can't imagine her making her way to a strange place alone. But she did, leaving behind her country, but not her upbringing. My mom didn't talk to me about what it meant to be a girl. You know, feminine things. I learned that in school from a female teacher who told us girls to wash our hair twice a day when we had our monthly visitor because we could get lice. I learned how to apply lipstick from a friend because my mom never showed me how to put on makeup. My mom didn't talk to me about how to shave my legs, which resulted in them looking like they were caressed by Edward Scissorhands. When it came to cursing, drinking, or smoking, my mom never did any of those things. So it was a given, neither should I. It was simple. 
Don't mention anything that had to do with me growing up, and it meant I would stay a little girl forever. So why did I expect anything different when it came to the sex talk? I got the talk in our kitchen when I was 14 as my mother was making rice and I was stirring that neon orange powder that I think was supposed to be cheddar into the hamburger helper. Cynthia. I turned to her as she sprinkled more than enough salt into the boiling water. I knew it was something important because she didn't use my nickname and she wasn't making eye contact. For everyday conversation, I could see her brown eyes the shade of wet sand and she'd sweetly say, Cinderella, how was school today? Cinderella, I found a dollar bill on the floor and played the lottery. Cinderella, can you believe what your Tia Blanca is wearing? But when she got serious, she never looked at me and she always used my real name. Cynthia, your grandpa died. Cynthia, your father left us. Cynthia, you have to switch schools again. So I knew there in that kitchen with the burning stench from the cheap pot and the imitation cheese disintegrating into the noodles, that this was serious. Did she find out I forged her signature because I cut class to go hang out with the boy I liked, who spent that time hanging out with the girl he liked, which wasn't me? <laughs> Were we really moving to Waukegan because my aunt finally convinced her that I really was a gangbanger because I wore baggy jinkles and cross colors? Or was it the sex talk? I didn't need the talk. I hadn't even kissed the boy yet. She finally said, when it comes to that, oh my God, it was the talk. Did I really want to hear my mother tell me where things should go and not go? Or discuss the exchange of bodily fluids? And oh man, I hope we didn't have any bananas in the house. (laughs) She covered the rice and started to make her way out of the kitchen and said, Wait till you're married. Then, turn the fire off in 20 minutes. I'm going to watch my novella. (laughs) Really? Wait for what? I mean, I was a freshman in high school, and it was 1992. There was no accessible internet with millions of sex sites. I didn't have cable that sometimes showed scrambled X-rated movies. I had a pager the size of a garage door opener, a landline, and my first Cabbage Patch doll named Stanley on my dresser. Now... I don't know how many of you folks were the popular ones in high school, but for those who were awkward like me, I think you'll understand. I wasn't a looker at 14. My breasts were the size of Ritz crackers, but I wore a bra anyway as encouragement to my chest. (laughs) And my front teeth loved each other so much, they spooned. Since then, I've had braces and grown from a negative triple A into a full B. Yeah, I said full. I didn't have boys whispering in my ear, come on, girl, let's do it. Hell, I didn't have boys whispering, hollering, or monotoning anything to me. So at the very least of my thinking was sex. I just wanted to get a first base or even out of the batter's box. My hormones were like kernels popping in my body, and of course, my eyes were set on a few boys at school. The quarterback of the varsity football team that everyone called Hercules who turned me down to prom when I asked him because I'm ballsy that way. The boy in my art class with the black glasses that told me I was like one of the guys and then made out with the pretty girl in our class. The boy two lockers down who always wore the gym shoes with the white tips, who was friends with everyone, but so cool he hung out by himself. Later that night, my mom and me ate dinner. 
She started updating me on her Spanish novella that I had no interest in because, now get ready for this one, my father leaving with my pregnant babysitter who left her boyfriend who was best friends with my father was close enough to a real life novella for me. I nodded, I ate my fake pasta, I ate my oversalted rice, and I thought about waiting till I got married. That would be a good girl thing to do, right? I could wear white for real, and not like my cousin who wore a bleach white wedding dress as her three kids sat in the front pew. <laughs> I haven't done anything. My mom picked up her napkin, wiped her mouth, and said, good. Look, I really just wanted us to be like one of those mother-daughter duos that were close and share things, but I know she wasn't like that, and it really wasn't her fault. I figured she probably got the same sex talk I did. It was probably handed down from generation to generation. I imagine my mom in El Salvador plopped on the stoop of my grandma's house as horses trotted along the street and stray dogs passed out from lack of food and overindulgence of heat. Espere hasta que se case, my grandma said, telling her to get, wait till she got married, and then she probably told her to make tortillas. I wouldn't be surprised if that's when my mom decided to leave for the States. So I didn't tell my mom when six months later, I got my first kiss. It was nothing like in the movies. There was so much saliva, it reminded me of my neighbor, St. Bernard. That boy got upset when I told him that a kiss was all he was getting. So he drove me home in his beat-up ride where I saw the snow through the russet hold under his feet, and he never spoke to me again. I thought it was me until the next boy's sophomore year, and there was no drool. He said, you're a really good kisser. And I smiled all cool and said, of course. <laughs> but inside, I was like, fuck yeah, I can kiss. <laughs> Quickly followed by, why is he squeezing my ass so hard? Then when I didn't give it up, he broke up with me by playing Madonna's Like a Virgin over the phone before hanging up. Two years later, we ran into each other at Burger King while he took my order. <laughs> Looking good, his wannabe mustache fluttered. I saw better mustaches than the old ladies at the laundromat. I pushed out my newly formed boobs that I caught him checking out. The ladies know what I'm talking about. And said, give me my French fries, dude, and go fuck yourself. I didn't share much of anything with my mother. As long as I got good grades and came home by curfew, my mother didn't want to know anything else. So that's the way it was for years to follow. I was an honor roll student for most of my high school years, as well as being a virgin. Now remember when I said my mom moved in with me after my daughter was born? It's because she got laid off from her candy factory job. Besides no more abundance of chocolate-covered pretzels and those fancy jelly beans, no job and no paycheck, so she lost her apartment. Not too long ago when I got home, my mom said, Viviana asked where babies come from. My daughter at three apparently threw my mother for a loop. Well, what did you tell her? Well, Cynthia, I told her to ask you and then put on cartoons. <laughs> you can tell her, you know. My mother just shook her head. My need to not avoid the issues was tested of all places at Jiffy Loop. There, my daughter sat in my lap as we waited in a room the size of a pantry when the TV showed an actress pretending to be in labor. Mama, why is she screaming? Because she's having a baby. Where's the baby? In her stomach. 
You were in my stomach. We were connected here, see? Eyes peered at us as I showed my daughter her belly button, and she lifted my shirt to see mine. It was sweet, but I could have done without strangers catching a glimpse of my stretch marks that looked like Google Maps. <laughs> Mama, I want a baby sister. Put one in your tummy and eat jalapeno so it can come out. <laughs> When I told my husband about this, he said, you're giving her the sex talk, right? Yep, and not the wait till you're married one-liner. It's a tradition I look forward to breaking by answering questions before they're even asked. So for the last three years, I sometimes feel like I have two kids, only I can't claim the 63-year-old as a dependent. <laughs> now, I've shown my mom how to apply foundation and lip liner. I read up on menopause and talked to her about the symptoms. I even gave her her first glass of wine, but I still can't get her to curse. One night she sat on my couch laughing into the phone and I heard a man's voice on the other side. When she hung up, I sat down next to her and said, Ma, my house, my rules, wait till you're married. That was Sin Vargas. This story was curated by Bobby Batrisky, with a sound design by Eric Hazen and performance direction by Sarah Rose Graber. If this story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Join us April 27th at the Underground Wonder Bar in Chicago's Gold Coast for Won't Back Down, stories of grit and getting by. For tickets or for more information about Second Story, visit our website at secondstory.com. That's 2ndstory.com. Second Story podcasts are brought to you in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Program, the Arts Works Fund, and the Chicago Community Foundation. Podcast support from Amanda Delheimer Diamond, Bobby Badrisky, the Second Story Publishing Committee, Sarah Rose Graber, Eric Hazen, Danielle Ezel, C.P. Chang, Sherry Pentamone, and myself. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening. <laughs>